Aylin. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I've been part of this church community for three years now, um, as of June. Uh, so I've heard a lot about like the uh, prophetic history, and I've been in the prayer room, which means I've prayed for revival many, many times. Um, and I was fully here, you know. Um, the Lord called me here, and so I've been here. Um, but I think uh, what was so significant about last week is that I feel like something finally clicked in me about like why the why of um, what we do here. Um, and I, I don't know, like I've heard Bethany preach the message about the prophetic history and sometimes I'm like, yeah, other times I'm like, oh, this message again. I've heard it <laughs> five times. Don't lie. You all think that's And so I, I just, I just don't feel like my heart always connects to it. <laughs> Bethany, I love you. Sorry. <laughs> Um, but this past week, just like sitting under the teaching of Paul Jaley and um, listening in more in-depth details about what's been going on and actually just like hearing Bethany's own testimony and fullness, uh, there's so much that's in there that you guys have no idea about. And just like, I, I, I guess I'm just like so excited to be part of this community um, of like people who just sought the Lord and just pressed in like no matter how hard it got and like just continue to press in because they had a vision and it was like we know exactly what the Lord called us to and we're just gonna pursue after it uh, and I think the highlight the part where like I was like oh I get it now I fully get it uh, was going on the tour uh, in Harvard this past Sunday uh, we were walking around and Bethany was showing us there's like a um, what would you call that yeah, at the gate. No, there's a plaque at the gate that's like carved into the stone um, about, yeah, an inscription about like why Harvard was established. Um, and just like being there and seeing like, wow, they actually established this in order to like train pastors and missionaries uh, to like build up the nation and to send out. That, that for me was like, I think it's something about it being inscribed in stone that really got me. I was like, wow, like this was their intention. Um, and also about like the, the Harvard symbol. Uh, I don't know if Bethany has shared it before. Like, uh, it has three books, uh, one on the top and two on the bottom. And the two on the bottom are face up, like a book you'd be reading. Uh, so those represent like knowledge that's available to us as humans. And then the one on the top is actually face down. Uh, and it represents like the things that we cannot search out except by the Spirit of God. And I thought that was crazy, that that was, like, Harvard's flag. I was like, wait, what? Uh, and then, like, over the years, apparently, they, like, flipped the, the third book, uh, Face Up, uh, because of, like, coming into this um, idea of, like, humanism, like, man is the measure of all things. Uh, and so just walking around on that tour, listening to the, prof like, the history of Harvard, um, and actually, I was a student at Harvard myself, and I didn't notice any of these things. I didn't, I, I just didn't know. Uh, and I, like, prayed for Harvard because, I mean, it's a, good thing to pray for. It's a good thing to pray for any college campus, but I just didn't know why. Uh, so being on this tour this past Sunday, and just being like, I get it. I want to go on all the prayer walks. <laughs> I want to do all the bits. <laughs> like, I finally get it. It's been three years, but I finally get it. Uh, so on that note, I don't know if Sarah is in here. Sarah Hershey, she's back there. Uh, Sarah Hershey started prayer walk in Harvard. Um, last year. I'm going to be joining her. We're going to be doing it every Wednesday at 5.30 for now. So come join us um, if you want. You can meet, um, talk to any of us if you want more information on that. Yeah. All right. 
Um, awesome, if I may, I should have went first. Um, <laughs> so you guys can forget what I said. Um, John, John just told me to speak from my heart, but I, that wouldn't really make sense. I, just, I had to make some notes because I just don't know if this is going to be cohesive or not. Um, no, it's good because I think, well, God just kind of just wrecked a lot of my perspective. And for me to make sense of it for you guys, it would, I don't know if it will. But I, I'll do my best. So, um, yeah, so I think that I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so not even just to hype up 110, but I will hype it up a little bit. It's a, it was definitely a seminal moment, I'd say, uh, in my life, uh, and super like life altering. It was, it was really crazy. Um, (laughs) uh, like, so, and especially just in the transition that I am in my life, I thought that it was really important to tie my heart to the mission of the church and really kind of plant into what we're doing here in Boston. Um, and that was really my intent in showing up, but. I think overall, the funny thing about 110, I think that we were just, uh, it was a prayer set and we were really just going in, right? And I look around, I'm like, we are crazy people. (laughs) I just realized how crazy we are and how wonderful and and great of a thing that is and, and how like comforting that felt that I'm not the only one that's crazy, that we have a lot of crazy people going after the Lord. And, um, and it was really kind of just like mind-opening for me that we're supposed to be peculiar and set apart, and uh, there shouldn't be anything normal about our pursuit towards, towards the Lord, right? So I think that was, um, thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah, so let's see, what do I want to talk about? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I would say just on a personal note, God was really speaking to me throughout the week. Um, and like he often speaks to me in my dreams because like when I'm awake I feel like it's just my own thoughts in my way and I'm just asking God to speak but in my dreams like he would keep wrecking me in my dreams all week and uh, speaking so intimately like he knows your language and he knows like what is so tied to your heart and he would speak to me and I'd wake I'd wake up like just weeping in tears and it was so it was kind of overwhelming I was like Jesus leave me alone Jesus, leave me alone. I was just kidding, man. I was just kidding. <laughs> leave me alone. So, um, <laughs> but what I realized from all of that is that um, he's entrusted something in me, and there is a responsibility that's tied with that. Um, and I understood the weight of it more than ever, right? And in the visions that were so clear, uh, just in my mind and in my heart, you know, I started to realize that. Um, Uh, being struck by the weight of it all, that he was even exposing some things that I was married to, that wasn't, that wasn't of him. And it was so, so vivid that um, he was even calling me out of the marriages in my life that I was holding on to and saying, too soon, you know, there is something that I have that's better for you and that there's a perfect will. And son, you have to give up everything that you think is perfect, everything that you think that you have for yourself, that you have uh, already set forth, planned out, because my will uh, is more is perfect, and yours isn't. <laughs> so, um, does that does that make sense? Okay. Um, amen. Can I get amen? Amen. amen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and, and so he's entrusted something in me, and, and and I started to realize that in the greater weight of it, and it really and it doesn't belong to me. So the responsibility is that um, just have a servant's heart. And, uh, and then one thing that I'd like to share uh, before I go, and Troy Lee said this too um, in one of the sessions. He said, allow God to wreck you and then don't fix it, right? Yeah. 
Uh, that's that's such a good word uh, because sometimes we we receive so much and we're just like I get my life back together um, and I got to get things back to normal. Normal is not okay. You know, normal. What your normal is 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 not what God, God has called you to. And uh, we got to get away from this like comfort mentality that we're just like we're just so regular. We're ready to be normal, and that's not what we're. Cr- I saw you guys at 110. None of you are normal. Okay, <laughs> so. Um, then the last thing I want to share, I think I'm, I think, um, I'm not following Nefemi's advice. Um, but in one of the small groups, the small groups were good too. John can attest to that. Asaph read um, a scripture, and I was just like, oh my goodness. Um, it was out of Isaiah 6, and, um, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And, um, you know, I had read that before, but the, it just, it really spoke to me in that moment that this is the posture, that this is the posture we have to have. Here I am, send me, Lord. And whatever that looks like for you, um, he's waiting for that posture. He's waiting for us to say, here I am, send me. Um, and it really kind of just wrecked everything, all of my perspective, all of my plans. Um, and it's so blessed to be a part of the 110 Intensive and. Um, I would definitely recommend those who have an experience that it will, uh, you, you won't regret it. It's definitely life altering. So, yeah. So, um, why we just shared a couple of testimonies here um, is really for our heart is that all of our community here would be swept up in the vision that's behind 110, the vision that's behind Bradford College, the vision that's behind God moving once again in New England. And yeah, as Nifemi said, like the first year that I went, um, I felt like finally after, it was, at that point it was like two years being here, it was finally the moment when I, everything started clicked. And I understand that it is very hard that for people that have not been to 110 Intensive or people that haven't been in the you know, house of prayer for 10 years to really get sort of uh, caught up in that same vision. And so just to close here, um, I just want to share a couple of thoughts um, that I had just for us as a community, that even if you weren't part of the 110 Intensive, how can we really push behind this thing? And um, in sort of summing up what the week was like, um, actually, this is Asaph again, not to put him on the spotlight, but um, I think it was he that said um, that how he would summarize the 110 Intensive, the week, was that it was an extension of Pastor Bethany's sermon on the crucified life that through that week, we were sort of coming under this realization that, yeah, we need to be a peculiar people that lay down everything uh, for, the, for, the, for the sake of the gospel. And um, I went in and I shared with my small group that my personal prayer request uh, for the week was um, to sort of learn from the Lord, what does it look like to be a Christian in America? <laughs> Um, what does that actually look like? Because it seems that I'm called here, but there's such a need overseas uh, to reach unreached people groups. And they're like, what am I doing here? And I felt like the answer that I received through the week, and I felt like our whole sort of group of 30 people through the week received this, this call to live the crucified life. Whether it's here, whether it's bro- abroad, whatever it is, it's living the crucified life. And um, in that small group that Kaylin was referring to, um, yeah, it was just a crazy moment, and I think Kaylin was sharing about this, but 
at least personally, I definitely felt a little afraid. Like, this is really crazy. Like, what we're called to, the calling is so high and narrow. And, it, and it's a little bit intimidating. It feels for me like I'm at the edge of a precipice about to, like, take a step off of a cliff. And it, it's, it's, I don't know, it was, it was just, it, it seems like, or in that small group, and even now, like, this past week, I feel like I've been floating in the clouds a little bit, just like, like, this earth is just sort of, like, fading away, and I'm just, like, my eyes are being fixed on heaven. And um, what I want to just sort of close with is the idea that, like, the crucified life is biblical. It's not just A.W. Tozer's idea. It's actually biblical Christianity. And what's crazy about it is not that we're crazy, but it's actually the world around us that doesn't make any sense. It really is. And so um, I just want to read two quick things, um, and I'm not going to talk about them, but because I just felt like sharing this with my small group, like, we need to be convinced about this, that we're not just doing some crazy thing. It's not some conspiracy theory. I mean, and I just opened two random passages in Luke, and this is all over scripture. Um, let's see, it says, uh, Luke 9, it says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead to leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Like that's in scripture. And what I so appreciate about Pastor Bethany's sermon a couple weeks ago is that we actually talked about this. <laughs> like, there, I don't know how many churches there are that actually will talk about the crucified life as described by Jesus. And I'll just read one more um, thing here. The cost of discipleship in Luke 14. I mean, this is just crazy. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then at the end there it says, So therefore any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And these kind of verses, we just cannot ignore. I think especially for our community, uh, for all of us here, even if you weren't a part of 110, like these are scriptures that we need to grapple with as a community. We're not in this alone, but we, cannot, we can no longer just push these to the side and just live this sort of normal Christianity as Kalen was talking about. But my prayer for all of us as a community is that we begin to step into being a, crucified, being, being a community of crucified disciples of Christ. And uh, I just feel like that was what the Lord was doing sort of in a microcosm during the week, but that's what he's about to do in a more full measure among all of us. And so um, I I really do encourage you um, to, um, you know, get, if you're on the fringes, my prayer is especially for those of you on the fringes, get plugged into prayer sets. Get plugged into small groups. You know, next year, 110 Intensive, we're going to be announcing that soon. You know, get plugged into that. Whatever it is, we're going to walk this journey out together.
And just, you know, a point, um, I guess, of clarification, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago when we were teaching about the crucified life, if you're here and you're kind of like, why are they so obsessed with the crucified life? Like, I thought we were in resurrection. The word of God is very, very clear that those that are crucified with Christ will be raised with Christ. And yes, that is speaking about as far as in eternity, but also there's a place in scripture where all of the promises that are given to us is the places of power and authority and strength and victory. It's because of the cross and it's because our call that we would take up our cross. And so oftentimes we're applying, and I've seen this so many times, is that we apply biblical promises we apply the promises and we speak the promises and we wonder why we're not living in the promise. But ultimately, it's because we haven't come the way of the cross. And that resurrection power and that resurrection life comes by the way of the cross. And so oftentimes we're wondering, like, why am I not walking in all of the fullness? But ultimately, it's because you haven't come the way of dying to self and laying down your life that he might live through you. So we're looking for the life of Christ, but we haven't come the way that he has prescribed and he has called. And so, yes, there is resurrection life, but ultimately it's by coming through the way of the cross and the example that Jesus set before us. He was teaching us how to live by laying down our lives. And so um, for those of you that have asked about Paul J. Lee's product, um, he did, I think it was eight or nine or how many hours of lecture with us. Um, And so people have asked about his resources. We do have his resources available. We'll have them um, up until today. We still have them. Daryl and I will be ministering at his church this week and returning whatever's not sold. So if you're interested in his products, you can see me. Um, Those are still... What's that? Oh, and Michelle's saying um, The Crucified Life by A.W. Tozer is at the book table as well. So I think that's it. And then Daryl, do we have a table for you, babe? Okay. Thank you, hon. Looking great. <laughs> you do, Matt. You always look great. You should know that. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. So I promised to be brief uh, this morning as we planned on uh, the majority of time being spent in giving testimonies and such for the 110 intensive. But before I do that, let me just... I want to thank you, honey. You're an extraordinary woman. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I, except for Will, I've been with you the longest in ministry. <laughs> um, but I want, to, I want to thank you for your faithfulness to what God's placed in your heart. And it never gets old. Uh, hearing the stories of how we got where we are now. It's remarkable. If you were there from the beginning, um, it's, uh, it's, it's an awesome thing to be part of the Justice House of Prayer and uh, this awesome church, Hilltop. And so I want to thank you. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I've been tasked, not really tasked, but just um, kind of uh, weighing on how to address uh, the recent events in Virginia, Um, not trying to be reactionary. If you've been tracking with us for any length of time, you know we're anything but reactionary, I think. Uh, There's often times when many pastors and behind the pulpit people are speaking on different issues and we're just not touching them. 
we've been pretty faithful as a church to address um, the issue of race and even more specifically racism and um, through various panels and, uh, and speaking and, and such. And so I'll just say all that as a disclosure to say this has nothing to do with being reactionary and just trying to look cool and like, you know, be hip because we're paying attention to Facebook. Um, this has everything to do with a, a real issue, a problem in our nation that I think for some of us, um, it feels as though our eyes are just now being opened to. I, I'll confess, my eyes, uh, I think for a long time, I've been blinded to see the, the problem. And I've, I've shared that openly. Um, I didn't grow up, uh, and I, I use these words lightly, so forgive me if I offend you. I don't mean to, but I grew up where we didn't see color. We, 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 cons- we had uh, Spanish, Mexicans, we had black people eat dinner with us for holidays and such. It was never an issue. So I, I never, I guess growing up, never thought that something like racism still existed in our nation. And uh, to my surprise, <laughs> um, I feel like I'm now just getting caught up to um, what's going on. And uh, please forgive me for that if you're a person of color. Or, um, I apologize. Uh, but uh, that's just been my reality. Um, in saying that, I also want to say this. Uh, of course, you know this, right? I don't have all the answers. I, I don't even really honestly know how to address this right now. And um, uh, I, I, I'm sure you know that <laughs> about a lot of things that I speak about. Um, I don't have all the answers. All I know is I, I love a God who created every single one of us in this room and in churches across our the globe this morning in a unique way and, and, and the way that he created us in his image is that we're not all white <laughs> we're not all the same color and um, you know I think if I was to say one thing is we can no longer ignore uh, the problem of racism in our country um, you know it's my opinion that uh, the church should be leading the conversation why, why? because we have the gospel <laughs> Like, have you read this book? <laughs> like, it's filled with some wild stories about some wild people whose hearts were transformed by a loving God. And so I, I think that that makes us the best candidates to talk openly and keep at the front of our conversation the issue of racism, our race, and our nation. And we can't fall prey to the uh, narrative that racism was abolished 50 years ago it's just, it may be in part, but it, we're not there as a nation. Now, I know some would uh, say, well, this was just a fringe group. It's a small percentage of our population. But I say any percent of our population is not, it's not, it's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't, like I have been in the past, be naive to thinking that this was done away some 50 years ago. Yeah, we made great efforts, didn't we? But it still exists. And I think we saw its ugly uh, you know, fashion on display in Virginia over last weekend and throughout the course of months and whatnot. You know, I know a lot of people have their feelings or specific feelings about social media, but I'm kind of grateful because I've been able, you know, I know we need to be careful of how much we're exposing ourselves to and, and just the information overload that exists in a platform like fa- a Facebook. But I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat grateful 
Because if it wasn't for some of these images and some of these videos and some of these things, I, I would probably still be clueless. A little white boy in my little bubble. You know, I don't mean to simplify the issue, but for me, um, if, if I was to explain, and I'm sure many would agree in this room this morning, but if I was to, to explain what fuels such deplorable behavior, um, the answer for me is simple. And I, I'm sorry if this is too simple and maybe offensive to some, but for me, it's an issue of sin. You see, I see everything through the lens of the gospel. I'm a preacher. I don't let CNN and NPR and Fox News, uh, uh, I don't let them form the narrative in my mind. I, I look to God. I look to Scripture and say, God, what's going on? So for me, it's, issue, it's a sin issue, right? It's a sin issue. And I'm sorry if that offends some, you know, and if that is to be perceived as just being oversimplifying uh, simplif- uh, over um, the root of the issue. I'm sure there's, it's, it, there's so many roots and so many offshoots of how this manifests itself and, and whatnot. But for me, again, I see everything through the lens of the Bible. And, and I, I want to encourage us to as a church, you know, because if there's one thing that I'm, I'm more cautious of as a pastor, and I just think as a Christian, it's like my, my connection to my brother and sister in Christ. You know, I, I think that there's something that if, if there's one thing that, this, that the enemy could use through this to tear at the churches, it's just bringing division. And, you know, I, we're, I, I, I know this might be a wrong word to use, but we're a diverse church. Look around you, friends. We've got every color here right now in this room. And I, I just am so aware that the enemy would work to try to divide us. And I just, listen, I don't want, I've said this many times, I have, there is no desire in me to be an all-white church. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I love white people. I'm, I'm white as, as <laughs> clear as, but I so love just seeing just the full representation of God's creation every Sunday, right here in the color of our skin, the way we talk, uh, the way that we relate to one another, our culture and our context. I love it. And I think if there's one thing, Hilltop, that we need to be so careful of and so aware of is that the enemy through this, I believe, will seek to divide us. And be it far from us, guys. But you know what? In order for division not to prevail in our community, we cannot let platforms like Facebook and Fox News and NPR and all these organizations to frame the narrative. We got to think higher, guys. We have to look at the gospel and see what this book says. It says a lot about the issue. And, and in my opinion, that is the only way a very diverse people can remain in harmony and unity with one another. You know, throughout history, guys, um, sin has made people act, behave in unthinkable, unimaginable ways. <laughs> you know, what else? Genesis chapter 4. Cain and Abel, right? The story. And we don't have time to get into it, line upon line, precept upon precept, right? But here, two brothers are, 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 
are giving offerings to God. And one brother's offering is rejected and another one is accepted by God. And the one who, whose offering is rejected, he takes a stone to his brother's head and smashes it open and kills him. I mean, that's, that's pretty graphic, right? But that is to... That just gives us a, a, a display of what sin, what the ugliness of sin can really do, brother rising against brother. You look at King David, right? There's a king of Israel, you know, standing on his roof one day when he should have been in war. He's standing on his roof. He sees this beautiful lady bathing, and he decides to take her in and sleep with her. But you know what's the most ugly thing about this story is the act, yes, also the aftermath of what happens when he covers it over with lies, even to the point where this woman's husband is now murdered because of it. He's the king of Israel, a man who in Scripture is noted as a man after God's own heart. Here he is committing adultery, lying, covering up, and that leads to murder. Whoo! Paul. You want to see racism in vivid form? Read about some of the stories that followed Paul before his conversion. Here's a man who, at Stephen's trial, the Gospel of Luke says, at Stephen's trial, he fully was in in, in approval of the mob who took uh, Stephen's life by stoning him. Um, it, it said that they threw their garments at Paul's feet, and this would have um, this would have uh, said or, or, or would have spoken to the fact that Paul was in full approval of the death of Stephen. Now, I'm 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 not talking broad. We don't have time to get into all these texts, right? But here's a man who persecuted Christians, but yet would later on, after his conversion contribute more to the advancement of the kingdom of God than his predecessors and even other apostles. Why is the gospel so necessary? For two reasons. It's redemptive and it teaches us how to forgive. The ugliest of sins. There's been a lot of talk about pointing to the hatred of these acts, these deplorable acts that manifests itself in, in, in racism, right? But there's been little discussion about forgiveness. You know what's so powerful is when people who are governed by God forgive like the gospel um, demands them to forgive. See, it's not just about forgiving people that are easy to forgive. It's about forgiving those who, who aren't so deserving of our forgiveness. You know that one time in God's eye, you, I, all of us were enemies to Him? To God, we were enemies of God. See, it's so powerful, guys. We have an opportunity to shine. The church has an extraordinary opportunity before her to shine. And it's not just pointing out and Facebooking away and Twittering. Our, our, our latest arguments and our thoughts. It's about applying the gospel to the situation and forgiving even our enemies because we don't know. There may be another Paul yeah. about these radical nationalists. 
There could be another person who rises up, whose heart is visited by Christ and transformed and contributes more in these last days to the advancement of the gospel. We have no idea. Only the gospel has the power to change hearts, transform lives, but it also gives us the strength, guys, today. Regardless of what you think about the situation, it gives us the capacity to forgive. Racism at its core is fueled by our fallen nature and the gospel is the only hope of seeing such depravity redeemed and such actions forgiven. So in my opinion, the only way to move forward is we pray, we forgive, and we speak up and we speak out. See, I'm not talking about just being a welcoming mat for the devil and just uh, let, it, let it happen, happen, case or us or all, whatever will be. Let it prevail. No, 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 no. Jesus stood up for the oppressed. Jesus still stands up for the oppressed. We should be on the front line calling hate, hate. Period. But we pray because things like these have the power to seize our hearts, to seize up our hearts like a motor that gets seized because it lacks oil. It can seize us up and get us all angry, right? I mean, I've seen more anger on social media. And I have to be honest, my own heart was battling anger. But, but if we don't pray, then anger wins because we want immediate justice. <laughs> but I don't know, if you've been along, around for any length of time, you know God is on a different time frame than we are. He will have his justice. Don't get me wrong, but we do not need to take it in our own hands. So we pray. Jesus said, prayer, pray, excuse me, and never lose heart. We always treat prayer as a last resort. But here, it must be first. It's vital. When things get real bad, we pray, right? Prayer cools our hot temper and replaces it with Jesus' temperament. <laughs> Come on. Prayer cools down. I'm, yeah, yes, we're relating it, right? We're relating it to the situation. But ultimately, prayer has a way of cooling you down, cooling me down, and replacing our hot temper, our need for immediate justice with the temperament of Christ. And out of that becomes, oh, the lovely, the, the blossoming of the fruit of the Spirit. It's so good. So it replaces our temperament with Christ's temperament and gives us perspective on the issue that's not necessarily framed by the media. We forgive because forgiveness displays the insurmountable power of the gospel like no other. I don't know. If, have you ever been forgiven by an egregious act? It is powerful, man. I, I have a long rap sheet, so I've been forgiven much. So, I, I mean, if somebody asked for my forgiveness, I'm like, yeah, absolutely, because I couldn't imagine begrudging them forgiveness because I have been forgiven so much. But just the act of being able to forgive somebody for both the one who has been oppressed and the one who is oppressed, it is so powerful. It unlocks, it unleashes things. It 
And then we let our voices be heard because Jesus was never silent. Jesus still is not silent. He speaks up and speaks out against oppression, and we ought to, too, in a loving way. So with that short talk, um, we thought it would be appropriate to close our service out today with a time of prayer. You know, I'm anything but discouraged, and um, I have a lot of hope in my heart for America. And I have a lot of hope because churches are becoming more colorful. (laughs) And I love it. And I think as long as they are filled, like this church and and others that are starting to rise up in Cambridge and in the world, there is hope for America. So I want to invite Matthew up, Nefemi, if you would come. John, Bethany, and we're just going to go. You guys can just join us. We're going to pray. Um, They're probably going to speak a couple things, but let's just join together. The heart of this is to simply do this. God, restore us, reconcile us to one another in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to, before we get into a time of prayer, just, um, yeah, thank Daryl and Bethany just for leading Um, with the heart of the Lord in this matter. This isn't something that's easy um, for anyone to do, anyone to tackle, but I just have so seen the Lord uh, just work marvelously in their hearts and just um, the posture of the heart just to understand and to to lead with his leading. So I just want to thank you guys for that. Um, And with this, I want to encourage you guys to join with us in prayer. This isn't something um, that we're doing for one piece of the congregation, but we really believe that our unity is at stake as a body. That in John 17, when Jesus is talking about unity, he's going to the Father and he's saying, Lord, I pray that they would be one as we are one. The reason why he's asking for unity is because it releases his glory and we can have the fullness of joy. So I want to invite you guys to not only pray, but to just to stand. If we can all stand together, we're going to pray together and just ask the Lord together to one, help our unity to be intact as a community and two, help our hearts not to be offended by what's going on, that we might have his strategy and how to lead. So, Jesus, we thank you right now, God, for your heart. God, we thank you that your heart is both for the oppressed and the oppressor. And, God, we thank you, Lord, that the glory is yours to be received. So, Father, we ask this morning, Lord, that you would help us in this house tonight, Lord. You say, if any man lacketh wisdom, that he can ask. So, Father, we petition your throne, Lord, today, Lord. And we ask, God, that you would give us wisdom on how to love both our brother who is oppressed and both those who oppress us. God, I ask that you would give us a burden, Lord God, to start to pray for the Saul to Paul-like conversions. Lord God, that you would give us a burden not to sit in opposition, not to sit and pull up our sword against sword, but to say, Father, give us your heart in the matter that we might see the gospel advanced to the ends of the earth, that we might see the releasing of the glory of God like never before. Lord, we just even want to thank you for this opportunity that we have as a church to say, Lord, we will not be silent. 
Lord, we will not be angered, but Lord, we will sit in a posture of remaining in you that we might receive, Lord God, your strength and wisdom. So Lord, we ask, Lord, even today, Lord, that you would start to burden our hearts, God, for our brothers. Lord, we ask today, God, that you would start to burden our hearts, God, for those that are oppressed, God, for those that are downtrodden, and God, also for those that are oppressing. Lord, we ask that you would move within this place, that it would begin in this community, God, that we would be a representation of your glory, God, that when you look upon hilltop lord in this small room in cambridge that you would say my heart is pleased by the unity in that place god we ask god for every tribe every tongue every people every voice god to lift up a praise lord your word says that if we have all with our brother that our praise is hindered before you so god we ask lord for reconciliation lord god within your body that we might god praise and ascend to the heavens where you are god that our praises might reach you lord god in the heavenly place so father we ask mark our heart lord i just even want to go into a time lord of just repentance god as a people god for the places where we have been so proud god and not and knowing little about the subject on both sides the place where we have been so high and haughty lord we ask lord god that you would forgive us in this place lord God, that you would forgive, Lord. I ask from my own heart, God, in times where I have been offended in anger, Lord God, because of the oppression, Lord, I ask, God, that you would give me a heart, God, of peace. Lord, you say peacemakers so in peace. So, Lord, we ask, God, that you would come and sweep in this place, Lord. God, that you would come and deal with the pride and the interworkings, Lord God, of anger in our heart, Lord God, towards the issue, Lord. We ask that we would be olive, that we would extend olive branches, Lord. God, that all these things that are working to divide us, what we ask, Lord, that this would be a, a time in history where the church leads, that this would be a time in history where unity like never before is brought to your body, Jesus. God, we say be glorified. Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, Lord. So many of us, Lord, trapped in a bubble, God, where our eyes have not seen uh, systemic evil, God, in our nation, Jesus. I just ask, Lord, for the grace to see, Lord, this morning. God, I ask for those who maybe feel, um, Lord, on the on the fringe, not even knowing that things like racism still exist, to be drawn in, God, that we might know how to pray, that we might know how to repent, God, and that we might know how to be a voice in Jesus' name. God, we just pray today that like in Luke 18, 8, it says to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And we just pray today, God, as we humble ourselves before you, we ask you to search our hearts, God, and point out to us any, any place where we are taking the posture of the Pharisee, God, saying, at least I'm better off than those other people, those robbers, those evildoers, or adulterers, God. May we take the posture of the tax collector in this matter, God, and search our hearts, God, for any area that needs to be cleaned out, that needs to be redeemed, that we need to ask forgiveness or forgive others, Lord God. Search our hearts, Jesus, that we might be justified before you, Lord.
In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray um, Psalm 51 over our nation. Yeah. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. For we know our transgression and our sin are ever before us. Against you and you only have we sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, we were brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did our mother conceive us. Behold, you delight in truth in the, in the inward being, and you teach us wisdom in, in the secret heart. Purge us with hyssop, and we will be clean. Wash us, and we will be whiter than snow. Let us hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from our sins, and blot out our iniquities. Create in us, O God, a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within us. Cast us not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation, and uphold within us a willing spirit. Then we will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver us from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of our salvation, and our tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open up our lips, and our mouths will declare your praises. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or we will give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken spirit and a contrite heart, O Lord, you will not despise. Do good to us, O Lord, in your good pleasure and build up our walls. Then will you delight in the right sacrifices and burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Lord, we just come and we just ask for mercy, Lord. Not according to um, any of our efforts uh, to be anti-racist, not according to any of our efforts to bring about justice, but according to your steadfast love and according to your unfailing mercy. We need your mercy, Lord. We have no more wisdom. This is where humanism ends. We just have no more wisdom of how to go ahead. We just say that we need you, Lord. Have mercy. This is all that my heart can cry. Just have mercy upon our nation, Lord. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'd forgive us of our trespasses. The trespasses that have followed this nation from the beginning. The trespasses of of the killing of the Native American, of the enslavement of black bodies. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Would you blot out our transgressions, Lord? Would you start a season of healing in this country, Lord? We pray that you would heal our land. Your word promises, it is your promise, that if your people who are called by your name will humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from their wicked ways, then will you hear from heaven. You will forgive our sins and you will heal our land. We want you to heal our land, Lord. We come to you with a contrite heart and a broken spirit, and we say we have no idea what to do. Would you heal our land, Lord? Jesus, I thank you that 
It was your heart in John, uh, John 17, God, that we would be unified, Lord Jesus. I thank you for Acts 10, God, that you're not a God that shows partiality, God, but any man from any nation that turns their eyes on you, God, there is acceptable to you, God. Lord Jesus, I just, I just ask that you would pour out your spirit on the church, God. Teach us to love how you love, God. Teach us to love the oppressed and forgive the oppressor, Lord Jesus. God, I just pray that you would make us a bride that is worthy of you, Jesus. Lord, you are you yourself are love, God. Teach us how to reflect that to the world, Lord Jesus. God, I just ask that you would be glorified in this time, Lord Jesus, that you would bring beauty from these ashes, Lord God. In this time of such division in this country, God, your church would shine forth in unity, God. There's the prayer you made in John 17, God. So just teach us, Lord, how to how to act in that, God. all the arguments of man. God, we ask, Lord, that that intellectual spirit that wants to reason and dialogue, and Lord, I ask, God, that we would come out of the place of our head into the place of our heart. Lord, without trying to diagnose all of the issues, but come to a place of tenderness of heart. Lord, we ask, God, that you would draw our nation into a a holy moment. God, we just recognize, God, that on all sides of this issue, God, that there is so much dialogue. Lord, that we have removed ourselves from the place of feeling, from the place of empathy, from the place of compassion and concern. But you are near to the brokenhearted. So, God, we just ask, Lord, that instead of arguments and debates, Lord, instead of reasoning and rationale, Lord, that there would just be a place of tenderness that come over our nation. Lord, I thank you, Father, for leaders like Bishop Harry Jackson, Lord, in the black community. God, I thank you, Father, for even people like Will Ford that you have raised up. God, that they're men of such conviction and truth and authority, but God, that they have such a tenderness of heart. And Lord, I ask, Father, that that as they lead, Father, God, that it would become infectious. But Lord, I also ask, God, that those of every color, God, that you would raise up voices of influence. Lord, that not only are they men that can articulate, but Lord, men and women of tenderness. Lord, men and women, Father, that are not afraid, Lord, to even cry and and be broken before people, God, that truly, Lord, we have no answers outside of you. But God, I ask, Lord, even right now, Lord, even within this room, God, that there would just be a ceasing of arguments in our head. Lord, I ask, Lord, for every person, Lord, that even wrestles, Lord, to articulate language. Lord, we just say that there is no language for brokenness. God, there is no language for devastation. God, there is no language for a nation, Lord, that has been ravaged by hate. Lord, there's no way to articulate that. But God, it's a place of desperate need. So God, we ask, God, that there would even come a greater silence that would come over us in in sobriety. 
Lord, not a silence of tolerating wickedness, but a place of being still and looking at you and asking you, God, what is the answer for our land? God, fill leaders, God, with healing words. God, we recognize, Lord, that there is no political solution. God, we take our eyes, Lord, off of politicians. Lord, we take our eyes, Lord, even off of the White House. God, that that is not your remedy. But God, all throughout history, God, you have revealed and throughout your word, Lord, that the spiritual quality of the house of God will be the spiritual quality of the nation. Lord, that when you come with correction, Lord, you begin in the house of God. That you're not coming to correct the Republicans and the Democrats. You're coming to correct your people. Lord, that when your people are in right standing, that truly we will be salt and light in the land. So God, we today, Father, we take away from ourselves, even as it says in Isaiah, we take away from ourselves the pointing of the finger. And God, instead, God, we just come low before you in brokenness, in humility, in desperation that you would heal our land, Father. And God, we do identify, God, that, Lord, apart from you, man is depraved. Apart from you, man is wicked. Apart from you, man is filled with hatred. That the people that we see doing such violent acts and wicked acts in our nation, Lord, that they are people in need of the the love of God to be shed abroad in their hearts. They are people in need of the convicting power of Jesus Christ. So God, we say, do what only you can do. Do what the words of man can never do. Convict and persuade hearts. Lord, do what only you can do. Lord, take the scales, Lord, from their eyes. And God, we ask, Lord, for a corporate posture of humility and brokenness, of yieldedness and surrender. Lord, that you would flood our nation, God, with your presence and with your peace. Father, this morning we reject the lie that one race is superior to another. God, we stand up against that evil spirit that even uses the gospel to paint that picture. And we thank you, God, that it wasn't just a white man who was made in your image, but all mankind has been made in your image. We give you glory for your creation, God, for it is beautifully and wonderfully, it has perfectly been made. Oh, and we rejoice and we are glad in its beauty, for it is good. You said it yourself, God, it is good. In all its variety, in all its language, Lord, in all its race, Father, it is good. It's the way we see it. Pray all these things.
your son's name. Amen. Well, we're going to d- dismiss uh, our service this morning, but before we do, um, Allegra had some things uh, that she wanted to conclude us with and in. Uh, so we're going to give the mic to her. If you have to leave, the door's open. It's not locked. Um, we're not going to keep you against your will. Um, so you can go. But if you want to stick around and hear some encouraging words, and then we'll close it down. If you're new, don't be bashful, Allegra. Walk up. There you go. Uh, stop by the info center. We want to talk to you. Um, it's nothing too intrusive. You get a gift. Um, you can take a blood sample, but you get a gift. No, none of that goes on. We just want to get to know you a little bit more, connect you to our family here so that you don't get lost in the numbers, okay? I'll be very brief. Um, there two things on my heart. Um, Isaiah 58, read it, pray it, because I, I feel like that's just like really heavy on my heart for the church, that we would fast um, in a way that actually honors God and liberating the oppressed, taking care of the widows and, and doing the, the work, being the hands and feet of Jesus um, as he's called us to be, that, that we would take a stand um, and that faith without works is dead, so let's have works. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to talk about, um, some of you already know this part of my testimony, but um, a few years ago I was in Milan and God very clearly called me as a missionary there. Um, and I was very confused when I came back, but it was the first year um, during the time of Sukkot, I was in Poland and doing 24-hour prayer and worship as part of Team Italy. And I remember after one of our worship sets, Team Germany um, invited us to take communion with them. Every team takes communion together before they do their time of worship and intercession. And when I went to take communion with them, um, I was physically unable to do so. Like, literally could not move my hand to take communion. And uh, I just was like, all right, God, clearly, because I fully believe, you know, I'm not going to drink damnation upon myself. Like, I read the word, I believe the word. Um, So I was like, clearly there's an area of sin in my heart that needs to be dealt with. And God is sparing me from that judgment um, because I do take that very seriously. Um, And so I immediately went into a time of repentance. And I was just like, all right, God, what is going on? Let's deal with it. And God revealed to me that I actually hated Europeans for the colonization of Africa. Because in my mind, my difficulties as a woman of color in this nation, not knowing who I am, not knowing where my people come from, not not having that, that fully developed concept. Uh, identity has been a struggle for me my entire life. The root of all of that in my mind had been traced back to the horrible ways in which Africa was colonized and people taken into slavery and etc, etc. Um, so I was faced with a very difficult choice. I could either continue in an attitude of unforgiveness or I could forgive. And understand me when I say forgive, it's not easy. It is not easy, especially when in the rhetoric of our nation, the pressure is almost always put on oppressed people groups to forgive, even in the face of of nothing happening around that. And it can be very, very difficult to, to do that to live out the gospel when you feel like it's it's a pressure that is unduly placed on you, even by society. Uh, but we do have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage every person who has ever felt any sort of oppressed, like, especially for the people of color who have been oppressed 
by the systemic injustice in this nation, I encourage you to forgive because it's not about the people who have oppressed you, but it's about walking in the fullness of what God has called you to. I knew that if I chose to walk in an attitude of unforgiveness, I was limiting myself from the plans that God had for me because I was remaining in a posture of willing sinfulness. And what God has for me and what God has in my life and through my life is much more important than being right. It was much more important than hearing people say, we are so sorry for what we did to you. That has no effect. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. What does matter is how you stand before your Christ, how you stand before your Lord and Savior. And so, yes, it's difficult. It is so difficult to forgive every day. It is so hard. But if Christ can do it, so can we. And so I encourage you to walk intentionally in an attitude of forgiveness and humility because what is birthed out of it is so worth it. God, I thank you. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I would just leave that right there. Love you, Hilltop Church. Let's uh, let's reflect Christ in the earth this week, eh? It needs it, yeah. It needs it. Uh, we do this every Sunday, same same time, same place. We'll see you next.